I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back. Final segment of Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you. Great to be back in the state of Utah. I am Boyd Matheson. And just want to reflect on a couple of the things that we learned from Washington, D.C. being out there this week. It's always interesting to be in our nation's capital, to wander the halls of congressional buildings, to go through the, the Capitol and see what's happening. And just the feel and the sense there. I'm, I'm always uh, amazed that it, it never gets old. It never gets old to be in the capital, uh, this uh, really cradle of freedom uh, that is our nation's capital, and to just see how people move about. Uh, and obviously, as people come from around the world, they they do walk around uh, in sort of these hushed tones as they think about and feel the power of those principles that are embodied in our nation's capital. Of course, we saw similar responses as people uh, wandered through uh, on tours of the a newly renovated Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And where all of those principles come together, uh, there's real power and there's lessons for everyone of every faith and of no faith at all. Uh, from old to young, from those who sit in the seats of power to our heroes and heroines right in our own neighborhoods and communities. And to me, that's the thing that I always take away after being in our nation's capital is just this renewed optimism uh, that the system works. Uh, yes, it's clunky sometimes. Yes, we have all kinds of faults and flaws and failures as a nation. There are so many times in our history where we have failed to live up to the principles we profess to believe. And yet, and yet, it keeps moving forward. Uh, that is a testament to the power of the principles of freedom. And it also is a responsibility for each of us uh, in terms of our role. To live up to those principles of freedom, we have a responsibility as well. And I want to go back to some things we talked about uh, as it relates to these principles of freedom. Uh, we talked about a piece written by David French, uh, who, who talked about two important sentences. Two sentences from the Declaration of Independence and two sentences from a letter from John Adams to the Massachusetts Militia back in 1798. And these two pairs of sentences uh, have real power. They, they really define the American experiment and what that social compact looks like in terms of government and government's responsibility and the role of citizens. So from the Declaration, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. 
And then that to secure these rights, to secure those rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So that first sentence is about the inherent dignity of human beings. Uh, The second, nearly as important, recognizes the duty of government. That government has to protect that dignity. So that's the government side of the equation. And then if you look at what came from John Adams, uh, often we focus on uh, his first sentence, which is our Constitution was made only for a moral and a religious people, wholly inadequate uh, to the government of any other. But then the the sentences that precede that uh, are also important. It says, because we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion, that ambition, revenge, and gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Uh, Plain English of that, (laughs) when public virtue fails, our constitutional government doesn't possess the power to preserve itself. Uh, That's important. So I want to round out uh, our conversation today and go back to my interview with other D. Todd Christofferson. We were, of course, talking about how the temple and religion and faith groups help us get back to those core principles taught by the nation's founders that in order for the country to succeed, the government has to govern by the consent of the people and the people have to have virtue, that social contract that social capital in order to actually sustain it take a listen with faith with religion with the values we teach i believe people do a lot to govern themselves this was the prophet joseph smith's famous statement that he teaches correct principles and the people govern themselves and that's the role of religion i think to teach correct principles people govern themselves they they voluntarily as some have said do things that can't be coerced, but for the good of others and for the good of the society as a whole. It's not possible, I guess I would say, for a government to create uh, regulations to, to handle every circumstance, every interaction, every relationship. And even if it could, how would you police that? How could you have enough uh, authorities and, the, and individuals in authority to enforce those Millions of regulations that would be required to order everyday life for everybody. It has to be a voluntary compliance, voluntary um, submission to things that are for the common good, even if it's not for your individual convenience. Without uh, a willingness to, for self-control, uh, I don't think you end up with uh, a successful society, if you could say it that way. You don't end up with order. You don't end up with peace. You don't end up with opportunities for people to prosper. Mm-hmm. And I like the, the phrase in America the Beautiful, confirm thy soul in self-control, thy yeah. liberty and law. So that, uh, I don't know who had that insight to, to lead to the poetic expression, but it's, uh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it says something very important. And again, religion's role, uh, the role of faith in people is to be willing to be an, enough or self-sacrificing uh, to the degree necessary, not to deprive you of your own happiness, but to contribute to others. 
contributing to the the happiness of others. Again, that was uh, my conversation with other detente, Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, as we met in our nation's capital at the newly renovated and during the open house of the Washington, D.C. Temple. And I, I love the fact that uh, Elder Christofferson pulled out those verses from America the Beautiful. Uh, I had never really thought of them in that context. I had always just kind of skated over those as some nice rhyming verses uh, in the song that we all know. We're, we're all really good with the first verse and probably part of the second. But uh, that second verse as it ends, you know, it talks about God men thine every flaw, confirm thy soul in self-control thy liberty and law. And to me, that balances those two critical pieces of the puzzle that we do believe in the rule of law. The, that is the, the, the part of our, our liberty is that we, we, do have, we do have law. We do have order. And that we can balance that. And how do we balance that? Confirm thy soul in self-control. Uh, which is the responsibility of each and every one of us individually uh, to live up to those principles we profess to believe, to follow the laws uh, as they are outlined, and again, to, to have that symbiotic relationship between rule of law and self-restraint and that responsible of the people. And so I, I love how Elder Christopherson uh, wove those two ideas together. And to me, that was really the epitome of our week in our nation's capital, which is how those things do go together, uh, that you can br- bring your whole self into the public square, uh, that you can uh, have law and order, you can have that rule of law, and you can have compassion for individual people, that those are compatible principles here in the United States of America. Uh, we often quote Abraham Lincoln uh, who was one who you know may have been awkward in size and demeanor and social sophistication, but he understood uh, the need for the nation uh, to be a virtuous people, to have grace for one another. In 1861, he created uh, the space for a place of grace when he said, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passions may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. And then the important line as he rounded that that out, that the mystic chords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for listening to us here on KSL News Radio Inside Sources. And as you go out into your weekend, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Utah's choice for 100 years. Ali comes out to meet Frazier. It has been an honor to come into your homes all these years. The statue of Saddam Hussein has been pulled over. We're the station for breaking news, traffic and weather together, and conversation about important stories. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Thank you for 100 years of trust from KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. 
But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.